Summer League Game 1 is in the books. Sam Hauser was eh. Matt Ryan was huh. And we get to your questions on a mailbag Monday, including a look at the luxury tax situation and where does Peyton Pritchard fit again with that question right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can't. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown's 18. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corral is above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Rain and Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. Thank you very much for making this show part of your daily routine. You can get this podcast anywhere. It's free everywhere you get your podcast. The show is on YouTube as well. You can watch the show, subscribe, however you want to watch, consume the show, listen. That'd be great. I'm John Corrales. I cover the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. I've written a book called The Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars, and I was one of the media voters for the Celtics 75th anniversary team Today, I'll be talking about the Celtics' Summer League debut. No wild overreactions after Game 1. Later on, we'll get to your mailbag questions in the next two segments. I'll get into people still asking about the backup bigs. Uh, I'll get get more into that, but basically more into the luxury tax, salary cap, and all that stuff. The Peyton Pritchard question, I'll save it for the end, including uh, some lineups that I'm looking forward to seeing in this upcoming season. But let's begin with... Celtics Summer League Game 1, where they lost to the Miami Heat, uh, ultimately by 10. They had a a tough, it was a tough night for uh, Sam Hauser, who shot 2 of 12, 1 of 9 from 3, 7 points. Matt Ryan was was good, 4 of 8 from uh, the field, 4 of 8 from 3. He had uh, 15 points. You got 14 points from uh, Cabangeli. You got 13 points from Begaron. You got, uh, you know, the decent, some decent performances. Celtics didn't look great. Let, let's just break it down. Big picture, big picture, they were sloppy. They couldn't hit shots. Uh, I don't care that they lost. I'm, I'm never going to care about summer league wins and losses. Um, unless in certain situations where if, you know, uh, Sam Hauser has the ball and there's a an opportunity to create for himself – uh, to, to win a game down two or something like that. Situational stuff where there's pressure, where there's something that is NBA translatable. Translatable might be the word you're going to hear the most in Summer League. If you listen to, to these podcasts, you're going to hear the word translatable a ton. What translates to the NBA? Because you're going to see some great performances. Some of these guys are out there having like looking like wow oh my god this guy this guy looks amazing how did he not get drafted or whatever uh that is great and good for these guys who are trying to hook on and and continue their careers or launch their careers that's awesome but really the thing that you're looking for what the Celtics are looking for when you see a whole front row contingent of five or six Celtics front office executives and Ime Udoka and Damon Stoudemire and all of those guys and like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and all of these other players who are at these games. What everybody's looking for is 
what do you see on the floor that's going to translate over? Uh, a translatable skill for Matt Ryan, who hit four of eight of his three-pointers, is being able to pull up off the dribble. and Being able to, to dribble and pick, pick your dribble up and shoot and get that to fall with some, you know, under some duress, that was pretty good. That was impressive. I was very happy to see that from Matt Ryan. Uh, that that's, you know, he, he didn't, he did other things kind of not great. He messed up defensively, but everybody's going to mess up defensively at this, at this point. But I thought Matt Ryan had a, for game one, pretty nice, pretty nice game. Hauser, this is, I can see people already saying, oh, wow, why did he get a contract and all that stuff? This is absolutely not the right setting for Sam Hauser to show his best, which I love. I actually love that he's not show. This is not his best situation because we kind of know that he can catch and shoot. We kind of know that he's uh, going to be successful as a catch and shoot guy. By the way, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Uh, Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Uh, Hauser. I like that he's going to be pushed out of his comfort zone. The one shot that he hit was actually off the dribble. And if you didn't hear me in one of the other podcasts that I was talking about, uh, Hauser, he's never in a Celtics uniform, like officially either the main Celtics or the the Celtics Celtics. He's never hit a three-pointer that wasn't assisted. So seeing him get one off the bounce, it, that was actually – my favorite part of the game for him. Uh, oh, also a couple of good cuts. You know me. It's so fun. Like, I am very predictable. I'm very predictable. A guy makes a good cut. Oh, boy. I love a, I love a good backdoor cut because it shows awareness. It shows that the guy know. Oh, I see. I see the back of somebody's head. Guess where I'm going? Where he doesn't see me going. That's awareness, situational awareness translatable skills. I'm looking for the stuff on the floor that makes me say, oh, that was smart. That that guy, he he knows. He knows what he's doing. And every player knows that, oh, yeah, yeah, this is a situation, yeah, I probably should have cut. But they don't all do it. And I want to see that in practice. So, like, not in a practice. I want to see it in practice as if done in the game. So to see, to see uh, Hauser cut a couple times and get rewarded with with a layup like that that was that was pretty good so again translatable skill if a defender is hugging up on you you're playing now you're on the floor you're sam Hauser. you're on the floor with jason tatum and robert williams and what what's going to happen those other guys are going to get a lot of attention if if i'm a defender all right i'm playing for pick a team i'm playing for the new york knicks and I'm like, I, I got to stay close to this guy here because I know he can shoot. But that's Jason Tatum. And my inclination is always going to be to look, where's, where's, ta oh, okay, there's the ball. Oh, where'd my guy go? That's that little moment of where did that ball go? Where's Tatum? Because I'm concerned about Tatum. I have to help. I have to be aware. I have to make sure that I, I'm where I'm supposed to be on a drive. And I just feel like this is a catch-and-shoot guy. So I feel comfortable averting my gaze and watching the ball a little bit because catch-and-shoot guy is just going to want to catch-and-shoot. So if he becomes 
cut, cutter guy, now not only A, does that be make him dangerous and it scores points, the goal is to score points, and if you're on offense and you can be a cutter, you score points. That's how Jalen Brown did it in his rookie year. But also, now I'm a defender. Again, I'm, you know, goofy Knicks defender. And here's catch-and-shoot guy, but all of a sudden he's also a cutter guy. Now in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, I can't. I have to pay attention to him more, which means I'm paying a little less attention to Jason Tatum, which is crazy. But that's what you're supposed to do as a Sam Hauser. You're supposed to be the guy that is dangerous enough you're not supposed to do a ton. You don't have to do a ton. Just be dangerous enough. Catch and shoot at a 40% clip like we know you can. Cut when the guy loses sight of you. Get a couple of layups. And I know you're supposed to be the three-point shooter, but you get two, three layups on cuts, you become a much more dangerous three-point shooter. You've given yourself room, and now Tatum is, is able to get that extra step that help defender is not going to be there. Super, super, super important. That's the stuff that I love. So great to see him do that. Um, I thought uh, J.D. Davison had a nice debut. He was um, playing a little too fast, but not, not a surprise. Young guy. <coughs> he tried to, excuse me. He, he once again said he wanted to be that dog on defense. Another dog reference from uh, Davison. But playing, playing too fast. All right, he's got to settle down a little bit. He missed a ton at the rim because he wasn't in control. He wasn't varying his speeds at all. He was just trying to blast past people using his skill, his speed. Um, what he didn't do was slow down at the rim to finish uh, until much, much, much later in the game. But some, some decent defensive instincts from Davison, some nice passing, a few alley-oops, very nice, very nice passing, good touch on the alley-oops. Nice to see that. And... He pushed the pace, so it was a very, uh, very nice debut from Davison, showing a little bit of potential for something that can be developed there. Trevion Williams' passing was legit; made a couple of passes from the high post, but you know, still, still very much a project. Begaron was—he uh, got all of his points from the line. He had—he hit nine of ten from the line, but my God, his three-point shot was gross, gross. Missing by like six inches. That was terrible. Um, so that was basically it. That, and that's all I want to do from the first Summer League game. They play again Monday night, 8 o'clock. They play Tuesday. So uh, I'll do a podcast after the game. We'll do a whole post-game podcast and break that down a little bit more and get deeper into. I want to see what else these guys do because one Summer League game, it's unfair to make judgments on these one Summer League games. So uh, I'll do that. Uh, tomorrow, then we'll come back with some questions. We'll open up the Monday mailbag and get to some questions and really some uh, salary cap, luxury taxes. The Celtics are right now with the fifth highest tax bill as of right now, and it could go higher. Talk about that after I tell you about Bet Online, your number one source for all of your betting needs, all of your sports information plenty to bet on out there you you missed out on wimbledon but there are plenty of golf tournaments out there uh british open is coming up i believe um there's major league baseball just saw the red sox pull off a couple of wins against the yankees that was fun 
you could bet on that. You could bet on the Sox. I know they're going into the All-Star break. Maybe you could bet on the All-Star game. Why not? If you if you want to, um, people bet on All-Star games. BetOnline.net is your best spot, your best spot for all, for all of your wagering information, live betting, esports, scores, uh, anything you want to bet, fights, MMA, boxing, all of that stuff. Head on over to the website today. You can use your mobile device. Learn more about the trends in action. Bet online is where the game starts. Please gamble responsibly. Hey, make sure you are making your second listen after, of course, your first listen locked on Celtics. Make sec- your second listen locked on NBA. A lot of the guys from the Lockdown NBA podcast are in Vegas, so you'll get some really good perspective from Summer League and some of the big performances over there, some really impressive young guys over there at Summer League. So check out Lockdown NBA. I host on Wednesdays with Jake Madison. And uh, we'll have plenty to plenty of fun on Wednesday, so subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get into the mailbag. And so many questions we just did last week. Scroll back. We did a whole backup big podcast. And then after that, I did a whole segment on a follow-up podcast on Aaron Baines. Baines worked out for teams in Summer League. He seemed to be his same old self. He's moving around well. Um, he's, you know, Aaron Baines. You know, in his mid-30s, he's trying to get back into the league. And I think if he's anywhere close to what he used to be as a as a backup big, sure, why not? Throw him in there as, as a uh, on a minimum deal? Sure, why not? But we got tons of questions. Dan H., in terms of free agent centers, any interest in Hassan Whiteside, Cody Zeller, or Greg Monroe? No, no, and no. Especially not Whiteside, no. I saw people mention Whiteside in YouTube comments. No. God, no. No. If you're a regular listener, you know... Hassan Whiteside might be my least favorite player in NBA history at this point. He's just hot garbage. Garbage. Terrible. Yeah, he blocks some shots. That's it. I'm, he's, a, he's a stat chasing, blocks chasing, you know, g- guy who, who gives up more in all of the blocks that he chases than what he prevents. So no Hassan Whiteside. Cody Zeller. Eh, I mean, okay, Greg Monroe, no, we've tried that before. We tried that a few years ago, and it didn't work. Why Why now would it work? Um, so no, no to those guys. No um, to most of these backup bigs. Ben P., shout out to you. Uh, thank you for the compliment. You talked about Aaron Baines there. Uh, I just mentioned Aaron Baines. Uh, Ryan F. asked the question, uh, he said he he listened to the podcast. Go get Taco, he says. Uh, unfortunately, no. Taco is done. I know he's on Utah's summer league, but Taco is done. I don't. I just don't see him as NBA ready. So there's and this is all part of a discussion. I, I I'm I will have something on uh, Boston Sports Journal uh, in the morning breaking down the salary cap, but. If you listen to the Backup Bigs podcast, I'm going to reiterate this and give you just a little bit, of, a little bit of the numbers here to explain why we're not. I, I wouldn't unless it's Aaron, like Aaron Baines. I feel like is is such a good fit if he's ready. If if he's ready, I think he'd be a good fit. 
if he's not ready, then he's not because you know whatever you can't you can't you can't if he's not NBA ready, then why would you? no? Of course not. But if he is, then I'm all for it. But the, the thing is, the Celtics the the, the salary cap is about 123.6 million dollars. The luxury tax line is just over 150 million dollars. Celtics total salary is about 170 million dollars. So they're almost exactly 20 million over the the tax. And so that puts their tax bill at somewhere about $43.5 million. It just depends on some of the numbers. Could be a little bit more, could be a little bit less. We're working with some estimates here, but the the Celtics tax bill is somewhere around $43, $44 million or so, which puts the total cost of this team right now with 12 players on it, three roster spots open, just about $214 million. That would be, so they have currently the fifth highest tax bill in the league. If they sign anybody, even at a minimum, they're going to they're gonna go past Milwaukee for the fourth highest tax bill in the league. So people who say owners should spend their money, I'm one of them. Look, and it's easy for me to sp- spend Wick Grosbeck's money, but if you know you, you want to win, you got to spend some money to win. And I've, I've believed that. And the Celtics now finally have a contending team and they say, okay, now they are spending the money. They're this deep into the tax. They had no qualms about signing Danilo Gallinari. Look, they, they were very deep into the tax as it was, and Gallinari had not been waived yet, and they didn't say, hey, you know what, let's not. They didn't put the, the they didn't stop that. So the Celtics are spending their full taxpayer mid-level on Danilo Gallinari. That pushes their tax bill up into the $44 million range. It's a really high tax bill. These owners haven't paid that, so credit to them. However, when it comes to these backup bigs, all of these guys that you, you're naming, everybody that you're suggesting, this is why I don't think they're going to 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 push for. They're they're not gonna they're not gonna be like, hey, yeah, just sign Hassan Whiteside, because if you sign Hassan Whiteside, in a nutshell, there are five different tiers. Actually, more than five different tiers. There, but there are five defined tiers of uh, the tax. There's a repeater and a non-repeater. The Celtics are in a non-repeater. The repeater tax is much more punitive. Um, the non-repeater starts at $1.50 per dollar and then goes up to $3.75 per dollar over that you are. And then after that, in each increment is $5 million. So every, every $5 million you're over the cap, your tax goes up. So zero to $4.99, $9.99, it's a dollar fifty. Then you get to five million, and it goes up to a dollar seventy-five. And then you get to ten million, it goes to two fifty, and then three twenty-five, and then three seventy-five. So the Celtics are at three seventy-five right now. So every million dollars you spend, that's three point seven five million dollars in taxes that you have to pay, even in a minimum. Now minimums are calculated a little bit differently. So you can you can give Aaron Baines the minimum, and it's only taxed up to 1.8 million. Uh, even if you pay him higher than that, the the 10 year veteran minimum, whatever, it's taxed at the the two year minimum. It's it, it's a, a thing where teams are encouraging uh, the league is encouraging teams to sign whomever they want. Even though the 10-year vets are expensive, they're more expensive, uh, a minimum wage guy, 
uh, is like at almost $3 million, 10 plus year veteran. They don't want to discourage that. So they, they basically put everybody in at the same rate salary cap wise might be a little bit of confusion there, but basically the league reimburses teams for signing these, these guys, whatever it is, you, you sign a guy for the two year veteran minimum. And that's a nearly $7 million worth. You know, when you add in the taxes, you're basically spending mid-level money on a guy. So all that is to say that all of the guys that you're suggesting, all of these Greg Monroe's and Cody Zellers, and you say, hey, at the minimum, so what? Okay, that's a, a minimum deal for, you know, in, in theory, but in practicality, it's a $7 million deal. And, and I can understand why if you're the owner, you don't want to do a $7 million deal. Why would you spend? So this is why I say, let's get into the season. Let's see what works and what doesn't. And if you can trade a couple, if this doesn't work, then you have, you have the option of, hey, let's trade out some of these guys. Maybe you trade Luke Cornett away into somebody with cap space and you bring in somebody else. That's a possibility. You could go the veteran minimum and say, you know what? We are going to spend the tax. This is okay. Maybe you make some minor deals to try to save a couple of bucks. I get that. But the Celtics will be players in the buyout market. So... I can see them waiting to the buyout market to, to solidify the front court for the stretch run. As I've said in the, in the podcast with Tom, as I said on my own, it's not about being ready to go full roster on uh, October, whatever, 15th or whatever, the, the, when the season opens. It's about having your full roster in place, ready to go in April, May, in June. So if it's not a full roster and it's, you don't feel hundred percent, you say, Oh, they're, they're this close. They just need to add somebody else. It's okay. If it's not ready there on day one, it's okay. December 15th restrictions lift guys can start getting traded trade deadline, buyout deadline, all of that, all possible places for the Celtics to add a couple of missing pieces. So, no rush, no rush. Let let things kind of settle. I can understand why the Celtics would let things settle. Maybe there's a surprise. I'm not saying that they're there's they're under orders to not spend money. I just don't see it happening. But a surprise could happen. If they want to get in on a KD trade and be a fourth team and get somebody good, then go for it. So we'll leave it at that. All right. Gonna come back with more questions, including um Peyton Pritchard, what's his deal? Tough for Peyton right now. Do that after I tell you about Rock Auto with all of these cars out there, different makes and models, different trims, different everything. You know, one car with different trims could have three different styles of windshield wipers, who knows? So go to Rock Auto, they will have everything. A strip mall chain store will not, there's just no way they can have everything. In, in something as simple as wipers, they're gonna have like one set. Here you go, here are the wipers 
that you get here. No, you don't want that. You don't want the one part they're gonna give you if they even have it. Go to rockauto.com. This way, you save yourself the trip, you save yourself the hassle, you save yourself telling that person behind the counter all of the stuff that you can just enter on your own, into your phone, onto your computer, onto your laptop. Sit there, have lunch, tick around on your laptop, enter all your information in there, and you'll see you can spend 30, save 30 to 50 to 100% more on some of the same parts that you can get at these chain stores or a car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for more than 20 years. So you know they can be trusted. They've been doing this for a long time. No matter how complicated, no matter how simple, whatever you need, if you know engines, if you don't know engines, if you need something for your car, truck, SUV, motorcycle, it's all there at rockauto.com. So when you go to Rock Auto and buy something, because I feel like you will buy something, Make sure you write locked on in there. How do you hear about us, Box? So that's how they know that we sent you. It's the only way they know. Write locked on in there. How do you hear about us, Box? It's an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, let's run through the rest of these questions here. Um, and we'll we'll go to Jean Villegrand. I hope I get that name right. I'm, I'm using my high school French to get the accent right. Uh, he says, thanks for being my first listen every day from France. Love that. That's why I did the uh, the accent. Hopefully I got it close. Uh, you mentioned the Warriors. Uh, is there any chance the Celtics will become owners of their own building at some point? What would it take? That would be tough. I think the Celtics are kind of almost stuck for a while. Uh, there's just no room in the city of Boston for them to build a a building i don't know where in the city they could do it they've spent so much time and money rebuilding that that north station property there's a hotel there now there's there's all sorts of like there's restaurants there they, they've really put a, a big investment between them and the bruins and the city there's a, been a huge 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 investment in building up that area so i feel like they're pretty committed to that spot so first of all, it's going to take time. One of the spots that I really wanted them to go was uh, Somerville, but that's um, I forget what it's called over there. But that's that that's a big complex now of apartments and stores and all that stuff. Um, God, what's that called? I'm drawing a complete blank. But that area in Somerville, right on the water, there's a train. There's an Orange Line train that goes right there. Uh, that would have been great, great spot. I thought that would have been a perfect spot for a new venue. Uh, it's it's not so far out of the city that it's not accessible. Again, the orange line goes there, but it doesn't matter. It's too late. It's gone. Um, so I don't. I, you can think of the seaport, but at this point, it's you got to grease so many palms. It's so difficult politically to get the approval. It's very very difficult to do it within the city limits or close to the city limits. So you'd have to pull the Celtics uh, out of the city and have the Boston Celtics play in one of the suburbs. And that that changes the dynamic so, so much that no one I think ever wants to really broach that. So for now, they're gonna stay where they where they are. And, and maybe I think if anything, they can try to get involved in ownership of the building at some point uh, that might be the better way to go if they can buy into the building uh, 
Otherwise, they're just going to rent, and they're just going to have to, and that's how it goes. Look, they're not the only team that rents the building. It's just, you know, the, the Warriors print money, and the Clippers, Balmer is like the one of the two richest people in the world, and he's built he's building his own building, and that that'll be the same thing. So whatever, it, it is what it is. Uh, they're spending now, which is great. Tom M says, "Hey, where does Peyton, Peyton Pritchard fit on this team going forward? Does he have any trade value?" I think he does have some value. I think a team, look, Aaron Neesmith was used in the deal for Malcolm Brogdon. There's nothing to say that Pritchard couldn't be a, a sweetener in a deal for some team. He's proven that he can hit shots. I, I just feel like he's he's shown that he can be a contributor, but he's also shown that when you can game plan and if you have the right personnel, you can make him completely ineffective. And that's that's a tough guy to have on the roster when like, it's tough to have a guy on the roster that can win you regular season games. And then in the playoffs can be played off the floor. And frankly, that's kind of why Rudy Gobert got traded, right? Like, Rudy Gobert in the regular season is a monster. He statistically is one of the most impactful players in the world. And then in the playoffs, eh, it's, you know, he, he certainly has had his moments, but also he's been kind of exposed in, in a lot of cases. So the opposite, it's kind of like the opposite of Pritchard. Pritchard has been really, really good. He's a really, really good basketball player. Like he's awesome, but, also, he's smaller and as tenacious as he can be defensively. Tenacious guy on offense can shoot over the top of him. So where does he fit? I think he's in the mix for minutes. I think he can get regular season minutes. 15 to 20 minutes for Pritchard. He'll, he'll do stuff for you in the regular season. 100%. What's he going to do in the playoffs for you? So if that's, if, if, if that's what they want from him, then great. So I will hopefully, um, hopefully the Celtics will uh, be able to maximize him somehow, either in trade value or find a way to get him onto, onto the floor in the playoffs. But I just don't see that happening. So I think he either sticks around as a regular season player and maybe a spot guy in the right matchups in certain playoff series, or he shows enough promise in, in a team that just wants to pump up the regular season record because some teams just want to do that. I think one of those teams can can benefit from him and, and maybe they'll pay him a little bit of money to do that. So I like Pritchard. It's just it's a tough spot. Rich says, hey, John, with the Celtics acquiring Brogdon and Gallinari, what new five-man lineup are you most excited to see? Well, honestly, I'm excited to see like a Brogdon, Jalen Brown, um, starting second unit, so, I mean, starting the second quarter with, I, I don't know, you know, that could be like a Grant Williams, um, I don't know, who else would it be? Uh, maybe you put Grant out there with Jalen, Brogdon, uh, maybe Grant, uh, Derek White, and I don't know, Danilo Gallinari, whatever it is. 
I'm kind of ducking the question by saying five. No, I'm not. I'm not picking really five guys. I'm more picking the two guys, which is Jalen and Brogdon. I'm very excited to see them starting the second unit. It could be with Rob. It can be with, you know, maybe Rob sits the the end of the first quarter and you start with Rob in the second quarter. I mean, that would be really fun, and you you have a pick and roll partner with Brogdon with with Jalen, kind of as a secondary, not secondary, but like uh, uh, catching the pass off the pick and roll and attacking that. And then whoever else you want to throw out there, a couple of floor spacers. That That's what I want to see. I think that's where Brogdon's value is really going to show itself. The second unit starting the second quarter with Jalen Brown, that's going to be huge because you're not asking Jalen Brown to handle the ball all the time. Now you've got Brogdon handling, handling the ball. With Jalen as one of the main guys, you can run a pick and roll with Jalen. That would be huge. So I, I like I like that. That's what I'm really excited to see. So it'll be fun. Christian, fatigue seemed to be an issue down the stretch. Do you think a shortened offseason due, due to the finals will affect the Celtics to start the year? How deep into the bench do you think Ime will go to start the season? I do think it'll it'll be impactful on, on the Celtics. So I think you have to limit um al horford i think you have to limit robert williams to start i think you have to limit everybody uh jason tatum you can't be playing him 40 minutes right off the bat you just can't 34 35 minutes so you go nine deep 10 deep even so grant williams Derek white malcolm brogdon danilo gallinari there that's four guys off your bench then you have pritchard you have sam hauser you have luke cornett Maybe somebody you haven't you haven't picked up yet, but you have a nine-man rotation and a tenth guy situationally, depending on how you want to go with it. So one of those three guys, and and Cornette probably because he's going to be the third big at least to start. So I think that will be, um, I think I think that'll be ten. So you can go ten deep, eleven deep some nights. So, or you, you can just give some guys the night off. Give Al Horford back-to-backs off. You can pick and choose, hey, Tatum, you're getting this back-to-back off. I think they can play that game a little bit. So they'll go, they'll go very deep to start the season. I can see them playing 10, 11 guys, 12 guys, some nights in October, November, early December. And then they'll start pairing it back a little bit. After the All-Star break, maybe it'll be an eight-man rotation. Then you get into the playoffs with that rotation a little bit, maybe nine after the All-Star break, pairing it down to eight. So much of it depends on, obviously, injuries and, you know, whatever, signings, trades, whatever. But that that's how I see it going. Start with the wider, everybody gets playing time, and then you slowly pair it down heading into the playoffs. All right, thanks for the questions. All of those questions can be sent to johncorrales.com slash mailbag. That's johncorrales.com slash mailbag. It's a good catch-all. I know people want to DM me questions. People want to put questions in the, in, the, in the comments. I'm sorry. It's just hard to keep track of all of it. This is, for me, this is the easiest way. johncorrales.com slash mailbag. Hopefully, I inadvertently asked or answered some of the questions you might have asked. That's something that happens during the podcast. So if you submit a question and I didn't answer it directly, there's a good chance I might have answered it 
on another podcast somewhere. So make sure you're listening five days a week. So if, if you ask something today and I didn't answer it, maybe tomorrow or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, I, it, it's entirely possible because I'm talking about a lot of things. It's possible that I can, I can get to everything at that point. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast. You can subscribe on YouTube, watch the show. Make sure you like, give it that thumbs up. Give it, uh, make sure you, you're commenting, all of that stuff that helps feed the algorithm. Really would love that. And share the podcast. Tell your friends, tell everybody. They should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.